because this uh, might be the, the inner chronicle of what we are and we have to articulate ourselves, otherwise we would be cows in the field. Welcome to Cows in the Field. This is a show in which we discuss philosophical themes in popular films. My name is Justin. And I'm Laura. And today we journey to the land of Andawine to chomp down on some black root and perform the ritual of oblivion on some little stinker who's been prophesied to destroy us. That's right. In other words, we're talking about Willow. <laughs> Elora Dannon has chosen you to be her guardian. Me? You need a warrior for a job like this. I'm a nobody. And we're delighted to welcome back to the show John DeVore. John is a writer and creator of the blog Humongous, and it's fitting that he's here with us today because he is on the record as a major Willow fan. Welcome back to Cows in the Field, John. Thank you both for having me. I'm really happy to be here with both of you. Glad to have you. And okay, so I think this is a kid's movie. Laura said maybe, and John, you said no. Wait, why is this not a kid's movie? Well, look, you know, if it is a kid's movie, it is a kid's movie of a different generation within the first five or so minutes uh Alora dan and the magical baby who's going to save this uh middle earth ripoff land from <laughs> the evil queen uh her mother is murdered off screen a kindly midwife uh kidnaps her moses style she's mauled <laughs> to death by dogs yeah that is rough death uh, dogs in between that in between that, the evil villain, Queen Bavmorda, uh, is angry that the baby has been kidnapped because she intends to ritually sacrifice it. So that's an intense first five minutes uh, uh, for kids. Just, <laughs> just to set the... That is true. Set the, set the table That's there. a good point. Poor first... midwife. The, mid, the midwife. We are with the midwife through the opening credits. Yeah. She has selflessly rescued a baby. Yeah. Right? She's a hero. Nope. Ripped apart by death dogs. Death dogs. They are super scary. But if you really think about it, John, how much of that is scary? The death dogs are scary. But it's like there's charming music playing. You got the James Horner score singing. I, and there's... A, a fantastic James Horner score. Great score. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my first movie viewing experience, like going to the theaters experience was Beauty and the Beast. And I made it six minutes in, I would say. Just the intro, which is <laughs> animated and kind of done like a stained glass style. Yeah. I don't know. I think they were just like, there's going to be a beast and he's going to have a claw. And maybe they showed me part of the claw and I was like, I'm out. I'm out. Like we had to like walk out of the theater. So I mean, we <laughs> we've established that I'm very sensitive to scary things. But this being said, maybe we shouldn't throw a show at Willow to our three year old just yet. I don't know. We've already shown. <laughs> tell me this, John. If you've shown your three year old Tenet and The Dark Knight Rises, can you show him Willow? What do you think? Wow. I I I. What do you think of Tenet? <laughs> he loves it. Oh, Tenet used to be his favorite movie. He would request specific scenes. Yeah, but Justin, you say that like it's still like it, that was just because he never found it, had never seen a children's movie, and then as soon as he figured out there are children's movies made for children, he's like, "Fuck Tenet." Like, no, it's <laughs> it's true. But now he's all about he's Dory like, he and looked at you and he, went, yeah. he, he went, "Father, Christopher Nolan will never be Stanley Kubrick, no matter how hard he tries." <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it was like Christopher Nolan will never be John Lasseter, I guess, because yeah, that's his he's favorite director. Loves John Lasseter. Um, <laughs> uh, I, look, I, I can, I can, I can, I can talk to you for days about Christopher Nolan. But let's uh, <laughs> let's just turn this into a sneaky hijack. This talking that's about Tenet. Hell, we're uh, I tried to, I tried to rewatch it the other day, and I was like, "What a what a garbage movie!" Wait, what? <laughs> No, why would you say no. that, John? You know, no. <laughs> you know this is sacrilegious. Like the, the only thing I liked about Tenet was how halfway through Christopher Nolan was like, I'm going to write gibberish dialogue. Gibberish dialogue. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. It's so great. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, so I did love the boldness of like how it, it almost is an abstract. It's almost an abstract movie. Because yeah. at a certain point, yes. he's like, this movie is about feelings and aesthetics, and it has, and how's the time travel work? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> I, I don't care. Bullets back into entropy, back and forth, it looks cool. It yeah. feels cool. What more right. can you That's want? That's the only defense of it. Uh, I ex- back to Willow. Well, I accept that defense, but I would also add there's another defense, which is that all, it all makes perfect sense. That's um, my f- second defense. Yeah, okay. If you want to hear Justin <laughs> uh, diagram sure. that uh, shit, uh, please go to that other podcast episode. We do have a tenant. Okay, we episode. do. <laughs> what is the you you understand philosophy, obviously. Yeah. I've, so what's yeah. the difference between a defense and a rationalization? <laughs> just... Um, because I. They're the same. They're the same thing. Oh, are they? Yeah, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So, uh, so, and 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 here's and here's the thing. Uh, Tenet is in not even in need of defense. So I, I'm not even going to waste any more breath. Oh you're like I, now you're I, on Fox I, News, just keeping it cool. I I accept that it is a beloved movie by film bros. Oh. Ooh. It is also a hated movie by the woke Twitter crew. So Is it really? Yeah, it's not really well liked among like film Twitter. So Hmm. I thought it I thought it was. I thought it was beloved by No, I think a lot of people were like, I like Nolan, but I got off the boat at Tenet. A lot of stuff that I read. Yeah. Yeah. And but you know, Bilga Bilga loves it. I found it so frustrating. Yeah, well he has he has a yeah, well, you said the magic words because he has a way of making me reconsider films. I know because he's extraordinary you know, that way, like, isn't he? <laughs> he really is. Uh, you know, Tenet. I, I don't know. I, 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 I despise it. It could be me. You know, there's a part of me that's like he's trying to create James Bond meets Back to the Future. Again, <laughs> my, 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 my defense of it is at a certain point it does become about aesthetics. And science fiction loves fake sort of specifics and 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 so you know like like plot and st- at a certain point it's a movie about uh, feelings and those feelings are boom and punch <laughs> and and cool, hanging out with your bros you know <laughs> but I mean but but you know I, it's it's a uh, that's my defense but. That's not a defense, John. That, that's that's so, a dismissal. That is blasphemy. That, no, that's a that's a, that's a defense. <laughs> an abstract action sci-fi yes, film. Yes, that part, that part, that part. But then, but then, John, you segued into, and then it's just about boom and punch and 
penises. Uh, no, I'm, I'm explaining okay. what the Why feelings we... are because the feelings because the movie doesn't really <laughs> wrestle with the human condition. <laughs> I mean, it's a, I... the feelings. The feelings are boom and punch. I see. I see. And I, I like those feelings. Those are good feelings. But uh, sure, yeah. Um, I, I, I will, I will, I will let it slide because yeah. we love you so much, and that because we gotta get I to will let it slide. I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> let it slide, John. But we could talk about it. We could talk. We'll have you on. Well, okay, we're having you back for Dune. It's already on the schedule, so maybe Dune will. You know, we'll have two Dune, and maybe we won't have much to say, so it'll be mostly a discussion of Tenet. Um, but oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry for the tangent. Sorry no, no, tangent. don't be tangent, sorry. Tangent is perfectly fine. Although Laura's <laughs> wagging her finger at us. No, I'm just saying I will fall asleep in two hours. So let's talk about. Willow. Okay, we're going to talk about Willow. <laughs> uh, but real quick, I just want to just just it's Willow's not a necessarily a kids movie. And Laura, you Tenant is a kids movie in y'all's household. It is, <laughs> it is for sure. Ill advised. Okay. I would not no, tell other sure. parents to do that. So okay, but John, I want to start. Really, I mean, it's like the third starting of this podcast, but here we go. So I want to start <laughs> with, <laughs> you know, your relationship to Willow. We know you love the film. I love the film. One, At least one of us loves the film. I just revealed who. And I want to know, you know, when did you first see it? Like, how how has that all gone? Uh, you know, so it's 88. So I am a teen. And, you know, the way I describe my love of Willow, which I, I described it on, on my blog, is that growing up, I didn't. Willow was the closest thing I had to Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it was, you know, it is, even though it's directed by Ron Howard, uh, it is a Lucas movie. Mm. Um, you know, I will bring up that I think, you know, that Ron Howard was brought in to save the Star Wars movie Solo at the last moment. And I think Solo is one of my favorite Star Wars movies, but that's another. Um, so this is a Lucas movie. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important, you know, I, the older I get, the more I love Star Wars because it's the original, the Lucas Star Wars, because it was a pastiche of 20th century genre stuff, mm-hmm. uh, samurai movies, serials, uh, Buck Rogers, etc. And one of the underrated parts of, of the Star Wars mixture is Lord of the Rings and you know, uh, Tolkien, the core of Lord of the Rings is about chosen family. It's about a group of friends who will sacrifice for each other, it, fighting evil, a very post-World War I sort of, like it was a real friend. It's about friendship. Mm-hmm. And the core of Star Wars is also about that. So I, I, I loved Willow for, I think, the same reason Lucas wanted to make it, and is that he loved... The, the, the he loved Lord of the Rings. I think obviously it, yeah. it's throughout the movie. Um, uh, I love Sword and Sorcery. The eighties were produced some very strange Sword and Sorcery, and Willow was the most family friendly mm-hmm. and mainstream. You know, um, in the eighties there was Dragon Slayer, which I loved. It was dark. Uh, I love Conan the Barbarian. You know, um, which is an, an adult movie. And, uh, you know, Ronnie Howard, who created Conan, is credited with creating Sword and Sorcery. Um, there's Excalibur. But Willow, I, it, I, you know, it, it, Willow introduced me to sort of hobbity Sword and Sorcery. And, then yeah. I, you know, and from there I went back and watched things like Excalibur. and Did, right. Right. Did so. you also play Dungeons and Dragons in, at this time? 
I never did. Uh-huh. I was a I my mom wa- is a wonderful woman who would let me read and was very open-minded, but she had one cultural moment of weakness as a Catholic mm-hmm. uh, when she fell for the satanic panic yep. of the 80s. And I was like, I want to do Dungeons and Dragons. And she was like, it'll lead you to Satan. No. Yeah. So I never did that. Yeah, that's too bad. Uh, I think you would have. Have you gone back or done any of it since? No, I, I have I not. I, 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 I have toyed with writing about it, but like the people I know that love it, it's an itch from childhood. Yeah, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. I just didn't do it, you know. But look, I was a theater kid, so. No, I think know, you would have loved it. I think you would have loved it. I mean, it's basically like sword and sorcery improv so i think you had a good time but laura has never seen had never seen this movie before it was a movie for me growing up that was very important to me and i think i had the same experience john i think you did capture something semi-universal about a lot of young people around between our two ages or maybe even a little younger than me who they're coming to this not having lord of the rings in the background for sure i saw this the way before i knew what lord of the rings was and i might have seen this coming off of star wars it's possible i would have been i mean i didn't see it in theaters but yeah it's very possible that i had seen the first star wars movies and my dad was like oh this is kind of adjacent because it has a bunch of the star wars people yeah. involved in it and i remember loving it and i think it was around the time i was getting into D. so it was like a, the perfect, perfect blend yeah. of and i one thing i love about this movie is it it literalizes the magic in a really cool way that is actually closer to how it is in D&D. That's very different from Lord of the Rings, where magic is this sort of diffuse thing that d- doesn't result in concrete behavior in the same way. As you don't like, say like spells. And, you don't really see spells yeah. in the same way. But here, there's people are turning each other into ice and you know morphing things. That's really cool. And I was really into that shit. So this was an important movie for me growing up, I think. And it was cool to revisit because... I don't think I had seen it since uh, I had seen it as a kid. So, like, it was just because this is not a. If you want to talk about movies that are cool to be into when you're in college, this is not one of them. I mean, no. maybe in an ironic sense, but not in the like not first order sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really earnestly. This movie is so earnest. <laughs> I looked up just by the way. <laughs> you like it? Yeah. What do you think? Uh, it was. You know, there's a lot to love about it. It was it was not my particular cup of tea, but um, but I I sort of had to like reflect on that because I was thinking about what my sort of fantasy movie was that I liked or fairy tale movie that I liked. I mean, obviously, I I well, not obviously, but I was a Disney kid, so I loved the the, the you know the princess movies, which is like something to be interrogated as well. But I love Princess Bride, which I guess I thought it would be later, just in the nineties. It's it's eighty seven, so it's right around the same time. Right before this, yeah. But it's so much more jokier and winkier, and like kind of you know, it's like not. We keep cutting away to Fred Savage being like, "Ew, kissing's gross." You know, it feels like it's not taking the subject matter as seriously as Willow is, and it kind of makes me feel like a little stinker that I like liked Bride Princess Bride, but wouldn't necessarily be into this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Princess Bride. <laughs> I do too. You know, for, for different reasons, though. I, you know, like growing up, I thought it was the funniest. Yep. <laughs> I just, I, I, I find, I find Princess Bride to be a wonderful, a, a movie about. Uh, it's a wonderful love movie about platonic love, friend love, love. You know, familial love, romantic love. I, I just think it's a, a delightful comedy. Willow is high adventure, right? Yeah. It's, yes. It's, it's, 
Yes. You know, and I and it's, it's funny. I think I went and saw it in the movie theater. I think I went and saw it because of the pull of George Lucas. The other thing you mentioned, John, is it's about adoptive families. I think that's a really cool insight. And part of the reason for that is that if so in Lord of the Rings, the characters, there are a number of characters who are absolutely pure of heart. So I'm thinking here of like Aragorn, Gandalf, like these are the pure of heart beings that sort of guide and anchor the story there are a couple creatures like characters like that in this film like the spirit fairy but most of the all of the principal characters i think are all people who are not transcendent in that way they're just sort of Mm -hmm. reluctant heroes they actually don't want to go on the quest they just get pulled into it and they sort of change their perspective like in the case of sorsha i think that's really cool actually like nobody is like I was raised from birth to do this quest and now I'm going to do my thing like Aragorn. It's just a bunch of people wanting to do other things. Mm-hmm. They can't and they just can't turn away from what's right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a good point. Yeah. And I, I mean, Willow, you know, he seems really pure of heart, but even in the very beginning, he's very resistant to even taking to yeah. taking on the baby because right. he knows it's just going to be trouble and he just wants to put his head down and farm. Well, because yeah. m- m- multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, I it's he tries to he tries he tries to worm his way he tries to worm his way out of t- caring for Alora Dan and let's go through it actually because I was thinking we could talk through the movie a little bit and and in fact actually the first I don't know what it was maybe thirty minutes of the movie is them trying to avoid the the actual quest and him giving continually giving up the baby and then you know into, so I mean the the movie starts as as you mentioned John with like we with horror. With absolute horror. Do not show your children. And, 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 and with biblical, with bit with biblical Old Testament shit. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Firstborns are getting murdered. Yeah. We got dogs, death dogs. Um, I really do. The death dogs didn't stand out to me as a kid, but they really stood out to me this time. I'm They're kind so of a cool. big death dog fan now. I, I, I'm, well, I'll have to, I'll, you know, because there's a conversation to be had here about uh, the effects. I yeah. think for 88 there, you know, there was some cutting edge effects in here. I, you know, I think there was the first instance of CGI morphing That's so was cool. in Willow. So cool. Uh, which was like the first time that it had been. So there are some, oh, pretty good effects in there. The fact that they forced some poor greyhounds uh, to wear a death dog outfit uh, <laughs> made me sad every time I saw them. Because I was like, let me tell you, my dog hates her sweater. And I was kind of like, there's a part that was like, was the ASPCA on this set? Because <laughs> that was pretty intense costume. Yeah, and I hope they got some treats. So some I, it was very rubs. hard for me to suspend my disbelief. I saw uh. dogs wearing sweaters and hating them. <laughs> so it was very difficult. That but, effect. That the, effect. Okay, I, I, I feel I agree. And you have a bigger heart than me, John, because that didn't even cross my mind. That it would be a problem <laughs> for the dogs. I just thought they looked like... You were like, like, they raised death dogs. Yeah, I, I mean, no, I was in and and the fact i think looks really good when they don't show the death dog very much but when they do a lot of times they're running full speed and you see because they just put a mask on the dog the mask looks good so it looks like a yeah and they're running justin because someone off screen is dangling a hot dog (laughs) yeah yes exactly yeah so i'm not whipping them or anything I want to ruin Willow you, uh, uh, for you. 
This uh, is like, did you just not realize those are dogs in, in suits? Like when, like when I realized that they're not real monkeys that was, in Wizard of Oz. Yeah, that was a dark day for when Laura I was when I was like, twenty-two years old. That, those are not real monkeys, and Laura was like, "What?" <laughs> so anyway. No, I knew they were not death dogs. You should, you should let her believe, man. I know. What kind of asshole believe. was I? She's a senior This is my college. Polar Express, you asshole. Um, <laughs> the other thing that is just kicking ass and why this movie rocks is um, the, the score. It, the score is kicking in full speed right at the beginning. And there were two things that I thought were incredible. One is that there's Horner's really going on the pan flute hard, which is he's going to do that in love, love the pan Titanic. Flute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the other one is that I'm John, you must have clocked this, but because we're just we're watching these movies right after watching Avatar 2. That's the Avatar. Yeah, like yeah. that's the song. That's the theme when shit goes down in Avatar. And he's using it again and again in Willow. So I was it, it, as soon as that kicked in, I was I had oh, it's got to be James Horner. I had to check. But yeah. <laughs> Did he do the music for for Avatar 2? I'm not sure if he did Avatar 2, but definitely. No, because he died. He died in 2015. Okay, so Avatar 1, though. And yeah. that's the uh, yeah. that's uh, Look, J- J- James Horner, all-timer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Titanic, Glory, great soundtracks. Very um, good. Um, Star, Trek, Star Trek 2, awesome. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we'll I'll take, take your word on it. I'll take your word on it. Um, okay, so we get to... I guess now at this point, John, you felt very, you were, you were concerned because this woman sacrifices herself. So she pushes the, what, I, I mean, it was just a, it's a dark first five minutes. Yeah, it's man. true. I mean, I didn't know her, so I wasn't too worried about it, but, um, so she, you, you <laughs> established traveled that's a big with her. You, you traveled with it's her true. through she multiple was, fires. Yeah. It's true, actually. Yeah, you, you see lots of different scenes. It's clear she's been going for a long time. She gets she to the has river. sacrificed her entire life to care for this yeah. baby, ripped apart by dogs. And Laura Dannon is never going to know her. It's true. She's going to Laura. Uh, Laura Dannon is going to become queen of whatever, and no statue to this midwife. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And the baby's getting really big too. I would feel like that's like an eight month baby by the time she's we get to, right. Like it starts off. She's as been running newborn. for eight months. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah, Laura Dannon lost two mothers <laughs> in the first five minutes. But go on with, yeah. your, ch- with your children's movie. Um, <laughs> but then we get to the Nelwins, and I feel like we're pretty now. It's very childlike again. And the you know the first thing that struck me about this is obviously I knew Warwick Davis was a little person, but I just I for some reason had forgotten that they cast all little people to play the Nelwins, and so when you get to see their village for the first time and the and the children and everything it's kind of really special and magical. Like forget like the representation thing, which is also really important and cool, but like, it's just, it feels more mystical than in Lord of the Rings where they're using forced perspective. And it's clear that, um, you know, that Elijah Wood is well, not ho- a little hobbits person. Hobbits are not little people. Hobbits are hobbits. Okay, fine. <laughs> but, they would, all, but they don't have the same magical power, you know, the, the like magical look of, uh, we are, we're, we're in a very interesting place right now, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I 
while I was watching the magical village yeah. um, re- of, of actual real people, um, uh, I, I, I wondered if that was one of the last times Hollywood ever collected a group of yeah. little people mm-hmm. to play a non-human race and to sort of like make a collective statement that these people are different and are like, you know, because on one hand, uh, the village scene and the family scene was very dignified. This is not the munchkins. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. But it also kind of is, you know. I see. Uh, uh, so I, I I thought it was really interesting. And, I, and, and of course, Billy Barty, the the famous munchkin himself, one of the most famous uh, vaudeville little person performers of all time. Uh, who plays the main sorcerer in the beginning, uh, who's oh. also in Masters of the Universe. Um, uh, you know, he connects uh, to that history. Yeah. So it's very dignified. It's, it, you know, the village scenes are nice, but it made me wonder if that was one of the last times Hollywood uh, exploited little people like that. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like, it, that it, it it sort of others them and 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 so on. But But here's the... I think what's interesting, though, is that in the universe of Willow, there are no humans. So no, there's no neutral. I mean, insofar as the Daikani. Well, there are Daikinis. Daikini or whatever are the most like the average film goer in who's going to see Willow. They might say, identify yeah, we them are as Daikini, neutral. Justin. Yeah, but, but they're not right. human, right? They're not, they're not, they're, just, they're Daikini, they whatever aren't? the hell that is. And then everyone else. I thought Daikini. I thought Daikini was like Middle Earth for human. Oh, okay, maybe. <laughs> Fine. Well, I mean, again, I agree in the sense that ev- the average film goer will identify themselves because they are the same, roughly the same height as the Daikini. They'll be like, okay, well, that's the human. But, um, but we're in a fantasy world here. This is like so. I think like. And of course, we're gonna hire. I mean, I don't know. We're gonna hire people that want that looked different to differentiate them. And these are mystical races. And it doesn't. If it was like per, they were portrayed as like, you know, idiot savants or something, I would be more. I don't think it was offensive. I don't think it was offensive. Yeah. Uh, 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 I'm just saying. I just. I it was a curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. And I wondered if Hollywood had has ever done that again. Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. But yeah, I think like if they were if they were like acting like brownies, like silly, then that would be, you know, that would right. be mu- closer to Munchkin land. Right. right. Um, or singing and dancing. But they're just doing, you know, they're just doing people things. They're just farming. They're for all intents and purposes. They're just smaller in statue, but the exact stature, but the exact same as the Daikinis, as yeah. far as we can tell. I think I think Warwick Willow's family is very credible. Yeah. I think his the, he has chemistry with his children. Yeah. You does. know that Willow and his wife have sex on the rest. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, you can feel it in their scenes. Uh, I, I think that they were all uh, uh, dignified, with the ex- with the exception of Burgle Cut. But yeah. you know, oh, we got to talk Burgle Cut. <laughs> Look, I made one note when I rewatched this the other day, mm-hmm. uh, and the note is, uh, uh, "God damn it, me gosh," <laughs> uh, because I'm like, uh, we can get to it, but like, uh, I you know. Every, you know, I, I'm just thinking now about how yeah, everyone abandons the quest. Uh, and when Migosh abandons it, I'm like, I thought you were the Samwise Ganji. Yeah. I know. Fail. He's got no Samwise. I know. He doesn't. Well, it, in a weird way, there was a moment, actually, where I thought um, Mad Mardigan plays the Samwise because he picks him up. 
mm-hmm. to carry him because because Willow's like he's lagging, he's he's injured or yeah. whatever, and he can't make it while they're being dragged. I guess they're captured. He but he's like too much of like a Han Solo. I know, too, no, to I, be a Samwise. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's well, we can get to Matt Morgan because like that's you know, no, of course he's not the <laughs> he's Samwise, not. but that's the he's filling in the Samwise role in that point. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, let's talk about um Burgle Cut because I. Could, I mean, look, kudos to that actor. I mean, my my note was burgle cut for the win. Dude has to get vomited and shit on. That's like his main thing is just to get just to get shit on, basically, and be the butt of jokes. And dude's taking it like a champ. I feel like he's he's leaning uh, in. I'm sorry, he is uh, a predatory. <laughs> he gets like he, a predatory yeah, lender, victim of a predatory loan. Yeah, yeah. he's a predatory lender. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like imagine if Visa would just show up at your house and insult you. Yeah. That's what Burgle Cut. <laughs> he walks around the village to the people who he loans money to and like harasses them and then laughs. So like, the, fuck that guy. The Justin. character of Burgle Cut sucks balls. The actor who played him, top Very. notch. <laughs> um I think he's great. I think, and I like his haircut too. I think he is a good, you know, he's really, again, leaning into the, like he might've been going a little bald, but he went all the way and just shaved it all the way back, which I think is, that's a bold move. Anyway, I think it's cool. Um, But the character of Burgle Cut, I agree, not the best. Not nice. Not very nice. Not nice. Although in the end, he seems to be, I mean, he seems like he's on Willow's side in the end. He was, he came around. He was just a little more skeptical than the others, I think. (laughs) He's a predatory lender, Justin. <laughs> so I've heard. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> He's forced to go on the march. He's the first to bail. And then at the end, he jumps on the fucking bandwagon, and the universe says no and shits in the face. Mm, mm, yes, that's a good read. Yeah, that is a good read. Um, yeah, it's a good read, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> You know, one of the uh, so I guess I'm the only burgle cut defender, which is fine. I'll I'll li- I'll stand. That's alone. really weird. I'll stand alone on this one. Um, <laughs> uh, but he does create an interesting tension for Willow because Willow doesn't want to abandon his farm because he's worried if he does, burgle cut will seize it or whatever. And so that he has a real yeah. reason not to want to go on this quest. And I like that. I like that Willow. Again, they don't infantilize the Nellans. They're people. They're grownups with responsibilities. Willow has responsibilities to his farm and yeah. to his family. And, 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 and he may, and he decides to and he decides to sacrifice. And he does to he he's decides told, yeah, I mean, out of love. Well, he's also told by the fairy lady that uh, his people oh, will well, ultimately be in danger yes, too because yes. they have more to. Uh, I guess in the but initially, right? The initial thing when he yeah. goes to the elder and the guy throws down the bones. And bones tell me nothing. Bones tell me nothing. Yeah, he asked her if he, he asked him if if he loves her, and I think that's really yeah. really nice. Or do you have any love in your heart for her? Which is both a very leading question because how can you say no to that? But also the way he responds is perfect. You well, can see I mean, Migosh did, and Vulcan did, and yeah. Bert, I mean, a lot of people said no to him. <laughs> do you have any love for this child? Yes. Yes, I do. The bones have spoken! Willow Lofgood, the safety of this village depends upon you. 
Raise the bones. Raise the bones. I like their cool, mar- whatever market, farmers market. I guess they're running <laughs> at the Nelwyn Village, and there's know, performers. Like, yeah, and he's it seems busking. Like almost, was there like a Mayfair poll? It seems like almost like a celebration. Well, it is a celebration because it's the day where they see if there's going to be an apprentice. Right. I think it's like a it's like of an event. Yeah. Um, I don't know that there's like that much hubbub every day, but maybe. I mean, um, it's a summer month, you know, maybe this yeah. is just every Friday. Maybe the Nelwins are just amped up in the village. Maybe they just <laughs> love a party. Yeah, they're having a good time. I mean, I don't know what's not to celebrate. The hobbits you know, are always... Jaunty... Justin, they're jaunty little people. <laughs> <laughs> I, you said it, John, not me. I They're Nelwins to Ma- me. They're, 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 they're magical. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, well... We, as we're going to find out, at least one of them is magical. Questionable. Questionably <laughs> magical. And, um, but unfortunately, Willow can't become the apprentice because he doesn't get the finger question right. And Laura had some right. observations on that, which. What? Well, you were, you were concerned that it was, an un, it was, like, it was unfair because well, the first person to Well, obviously, the fourth person to go is the biggest advantage. Because yeah. oh, you know you're eliminating fingers. But, but we learned that the secret is. <laughs> To actually guess your own finger. So the first guy actually has the most chances because the other guys haven't guessed yet. Are we going to get into a probability discussion? I mean, do you agree, John? (laughs) If if in fact the correct answer is point to your own finger. Do I agree that the finger test was flawed? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. But who had an advantage, John? And also, frankly, you know, and also the solution, pretty stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where we're... I don't know. He's Justin pointed out he's got like Mel Brooks you know, energy. But he does have acorns that turn people into stuff. Yeah, so dude's got cool. powers. He can also turn rocks into birds and stuff. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I loved it. I, I that that would be the character I would want to play in Willow Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. I'd want to be the crazy like sorcerer guy. Yeah, I mean, I think when we get to favorite character, I think you know, obviously we'll talk about rule. But I mean, maybe this, maybe sorcerer. Maybe I don't no even know his maybe. name. <laughs> Honestly, I I didn't I tried like looking up. And I how how do you know? Yeah, the, that's Rick Overton. I think is the is the actor. is rule right? Oh, rule! No, yeah. rule is Pollock. Kevin Pollock. Kevin Pollock. Yeah. yeah, oh, rule is Kevin Pollock. Okay. Yeah, rule. Yeah, the one with ah! yeah. I stole a baby. I love I love the brownies. The brownies are amazing. Okay, I mean, the, I'm sorry. I jumped ahead. No, I was talking t- about like, I, but I, I just when the the maybe my I mean I stole a baby might be my favorite line. Second favorite line: the bones tell me nothing. The bones tell me nothing is the great. Bones tell me nothing. <laughs> I stole the baby. <laughs> you, you can eat them like um like frogs legs. Can, <laughs> the brownies. <laughs> yeah, you can. You, 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 it's like a or like chicken wings. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's where the bones are from, actually. They're brownie bones. I oh, know. no. I they're not immortal. Um, they had a brownie barbecue, actually. That oh, my God, no. The Ekatori. I'm just... <laughs> yeah, can... <laughs> they, they fit on the skewer. Yeah, that's right. I mean, they come with their own skewers, right? They have little bit sticks. They have yeah. little yeah, spears, yeah. totally. Um, I don't know if it's worth... There's a lot of... like now, Then the movie kind of slows down, honestly, a little bit. It, you know, it takes a while for them to get on the quest. They have to go to Mad, meet up with Mad Mart again. He's at the, he's in the cage. Peak, peak Val Kilmer. This is this is the top Val Kilmer for you. I I, I think it is. Uh, yeah, I think it's peak Val Kilmer. You mean like in terms of 
I got to look at the film. His sort of in like terms emerging of, in stardom. Terms of his vibe, in, term, in terms of his vibe, his swagger, his mm-hmm. looks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and he's such a strange actor, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you know, he he becomes famous for one gonzo comedy, top uh, top secret, the airplane movie, and then a horny sort of college comedy action, uh, real genius. Uh, and then he begins to segue into leading man action star, and Willow helps with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a great action star in this. I think he's got great swagger. Someone, sure. I think, Laura, you're the one that used the, you know, he has Han Solo all over. Yep. Um, uh, but he's a real star in this movie. And he's such a strange actor because he has an intelligence. I don't know if action stars always have that specific kind of, you know, he's, you know, he's a wise ass. He's a, he's a motor mouth. I don't, I love him. I love Matt Mardigan. I loved him as a kid. I love him. That's the way I'm going. All right, all right. You can follow me as far as the lake, but that's it. You're not going south, are you? No, no. Just as far as the lake. Good. Mumbo, Jumbo, I am hungry. Go get me some eggs or something. We are not afraid of you. Now! His moves are really cool. The one thing I really took took note from was, like, they give each of the fighting people like a different style like the skull face guy's got one style but mad mardigan has more of a flowery spinning he's always throwing stuff around and spinning and moving around like in a circle it's great it looks really cool Uh, and that one moment when he slips in the snow yes perfect uh, it's great yeah it has everything and also in and ron howard is like we i need him without a shirt yeah oh yeah yeah he's gonna need to have a pirate earring Really long hair and no shirt. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're going to need for Val Kilmer. Uh, uh, and then we get, like, you know, a couple of really good Ron Howard action scenes. I think Ron Howard is a really underrated action director. Uh, but the horse and wagon scene is fucking great. And yeah. the snow yeah. sliding scene on the shield is oh. really good for uh, in, t- in that it's a practical stunt effect, you know. Yeah. Had Last Crusade come out yet? Because the the no. wagon one reminds me of the Last Crusade. No, Last uh, Crusade is eighty nine. Eighty nine. So okay. one year after, and um, while the Last Crusade one is, I think, superior. I mean, Spielberg always knows how to up the stakes. Like they're on like some cliffhang, I think, in Last Crusade, so it's even more cha- you know chaotic. But it's got a kind of similar vibe to it. Um, I think the the wheel breaking is really cool. I like that <laughs> that as a as a kind of a generative device. It's really neat to see the you know the wheel one wheel breaks and then the other wheels. Those wheels breaking. are like disintegrating. Yeah. They're not just like breaking a little bit. I mean, these are some poorly made wheels. I was concerned. It's great. I think I also like that Willow's response to this whole thing is like, "You are driving too fast with a baby." Yeah. He's yeah, always. That's true. 
<laughs> Will has a little bit of a stick in the mud. Well, he knows that he's he, a good daddy. He's the only person who's had any experience with kids. I yeah. think in the in the entire crew. So yep. he he knows you can't jostle them that much. You can't you can't you know ride a chariot that fast with a baby. You can't feed them black root, and they do need to be changed. That's okay? true. Yeah, you see, but you them also change. can't change see... a baby while you're being pursued by Bab Morda's evil forces. That's true. Those those they do throw a little bit of a. Uh, a, a chain in the in the what I don't know what I'm saying. What? Anyway, they throw they they mess up your. They make it hard to change a baby. Is yeah, that what you... <laughs> I, I was just agreeing with John. Um, so okay, so there's one other character we have to introduce, which is the character of Sorsha, who is the love interest for Mad Mardigan and the daughter of Queen Bav Morda. She's I, what was interesting on this rewatch was I was trying to I couldn't remember when she betrays her and I in when I was watching it I thought oh she had already betrayed her and the whole time she was gonna like help them but I that's not the case it just she she turns her moment her like Anakin Skywalker moment is where you know Anakin where Qua Darth Vader looks at Luke being electrocuted and changes and there's the the music cue and everything and he he, he switches from dark to light her her uh moment there is when she's watching mad mardigan kill a two-headed dragon thing she's just like there's these great cutscenes to her just like Being looking like, longingly she's at like, him hubba, hubba. i mean yeah. i mean he's he's hot he's hot but it's like it's not this whole thing about maybe it's not cool to like kill a baby or exile her soul into the netherworld or whatever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. she was always knew that was the plan. That wasn't like a surprise to her. She was yeah. like, cool, cool, cool. Get the baby, give it to my mom, exile the soul. Great, great, great. Wait, look how hot this guy is. I mean, like, and no, then you know, she's like, ne- I'm never have underestimate to <laughs> the transformative powers of random quality dick. Yeah. And that's what he's happened. A, he's a bad boy. That's what happened. Yeah, he's a bad boy. He, he was like, he got her. He was like, what the? And it transformed. <laughs> you know, uh, I also, you know, I love the, you know, that, that's that's precisely what happened. And yeah. that's, you know, okay. However, Willow does pass the Bechdel test uh, because okay. Sorsha and Bad Morda talk about a baby. Aha. Uh-huh. A lady baby. Ha-ha. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a technicality. It. <laughs> it's, a, it's a technicality, but it, it's legit. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Good pull. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't thinking in those terms, but that's really, that is good. Well, yeah. I, you know, but, um, but at the same time, Sorsha, it, it does change because she's like, wow. Yeah. yeah, look at that. I feel like I don't know exactly what I feel like he's doing like a high kick. He's like, hi, yeah, you know, because you know how he's fighting yeah. in like a really, uh, I mean, a flamboyant and probably not very um, strategic manner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, very practical. I feel like his head was above, his leg was above his head, and she was just like, he's very flexible. This is interesting <laughs> for me. <laughs> I mean, she also has no other suitors. Right, the, she, I mean, which is surprising. I mean, you, you try and date the daughter of Queen Bav Morda. <laughs> true like, that. Part, she's got the like samurai helmet on. You're like, I'm not fucking with. Part that. of me <laughs> thought that maybe Bav Morda was kind of trying to hook her up with Skullface, mm. uh, Kale, because Kale, Kale yeah, because uh, you know it, it felt like that was the kind of pairing Bav Morda had in mind. So maybe mm-hmm. she was just like, I see my out. I got Val Kilmer. Screw this skull face guy. 
I also kind of like the will they won't the because you know I guess you gotta in a romance have like I despise you no I yeah. love you thing. I mean but that's it's, the only way George Lucas knows how to write. A but romance. like with you know I'm not a huge fan of the Han Solo Leia thing because I feel like he's just like they bicker and neg and then he kind of force kisses her and it feels blah sometimes. In it movies. does feel blah. But this one I like. But there's like there's the the magical powder thing is funny. Like he it's they their will they won't they is like half because they're completely out of control when they're and then like like when the next day when he's like you were all over Sorsha he's like what she kicked me in the face I hate her I think (laughs) (laughs) that's his response he's just like I don't even know what I feel (laughs) yeah I had not even connected that's right Sorsha is is a a Princess Leia variant although I look I want to give Lucas a lot of credit for Leia uh oh she rules you know i you know like it's I, again i i think that star wars is overstated for sometimes the wrong reasons i do think it's a work of pastiche uh but leia was something i don't think in the pop culture had we had seen uh and just that image of her with that rifle shooting mm-hmm. the stormtroopers is something mm-hmm. that i'm not certain had been seen you know there's a lot of problems with the princess and all that sort of stuff but like you know sorsha is also a bad her a badass she's just got a bad mom yeah she never needs rescuing right Mm -hmm. she's so even so in star wars there still is that trope of we got to rescue the princess although that's just the first movie but i think in this case sorsha never needs any rescuing she chooses to defect and help because she falls in love with mad martigan but like but like, that's, you know, I got, that's cool. I mean, she's agency. You know, that moment, though, when they when they go to Leia in her cell and she's sort of like, you know, what took so long? Yeah, she dresses what, and them you're down. The, and yeah. You're the the ones, um, you know, like I just in the context of the late 70s. Leia, the, her Carrie Fisher's performance too broke open a sort of a kind of, you know, uh, it's been done better and yeah. it can always be done better. but. And I think when I say the that the Han the Han Solo Leia stuff made me feel blah, that's more on the Han Solo end of it than the Leia end of it. Um, but I think like there's there's a sweetness to this care. I mean, he's he's sort of I we want to see him as a scout. We see him as a scoundrel. We show because he's like fit fooling around with some villager who has a husband or whatever. But it he comes off as more dumb. And like, so he's not like there's like there's not a lot of malice behind his actions. It feels like he's just sort of like wandering into stuff. Yeah, he's just the guy <laughs> who sleeps with the 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 wife of the town psycho. Like that's you know yeah. Like, <laughs> that's see that's not a good choice. But he doesn't he doesn't know better. But yeah, no, I like <laughs> Ron, Ron Howard was like we're gonna need him topless and yeah. we're gonna need to put some boobies on him at some point too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's what you did in the '80s, so it's fine. I mean, they they had about they had two jokes in this movie, and that was one of them. So. <laughs> the other ones were the poop and vomit jokes on Burgle. <laughs> Don't Club, touch so. my fake boobies. Ones. Yeah, that's you know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I can't. I mean, George Lucas was—he's not like the funniest. I mean, I probably he didn't probably write the actual jokes, but you know, the story might not have left that meant that much room for humor. I'm fine um, with the boobies. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not having any issue with him. Yeah. I'm boobies. just saying that's where they, they got it in there. And, <laughs> and you know, that's, that's fine. Um, he's not trying to, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of funny in Star Wars movies. No. Yeah. 
They're just, uh, I mean, the, the the funny stuff in Star Wars is all like sight gags and things. Um, yeah, R2-D2 and C-3PO have a funny rapport, much yeah. like the brownies. Actually, yeah, I forgot about everything the brownies do is hilarious. So let's talk about the brownies, okay? So the I, what's the other one named? One is named Rule, who's played by Kevin Pollack. And the other one is called Rule's Friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, to Rule's Friend. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Hold on. Let me see if I can find it. You didn't write this down in our in our document, Justin? Nah, I didn't write it down. John, oh, do you know man. the other name? the other name of the brownie? We're going to find out. This is the kind of stuff you have to go to the Wikipedia, the like, uh, what is it called? Willow Wiki. Willow That's Wiki. how I got all my info. And um, he, while you guys are looking up his name, I'll just read you the entry on Is it Frangine? Rule. Frangine? Yeah, Frangine. Does that seem right? Frangine. Frangine. Okay, Frangine. The picture on IMDb is of a current day Frangine, so I had to double check that, but I think that's right. I mean, so top five rule things, one of them is, I mean, number one's got to be maybe the voice, but number two then, quick on the on the follow, is rat that hat. he wears a rat head. Rat hat. A rat skull as a hat. <laughs> and he has it's like rat, a taxidermy and, rat skin. And he has rat dreams. Yeah, and he has rat <laughs> dreams. <laughs> and at the end, when he takes his hat off... And he's completely bald under there, and his friend doesn't know that. And his friend is surprised. Frangine is surprised to see this guy's got no hair under his rat hat. Is it Frangine or Rule who says, I stole a baby? It's got to be Rule. No, it's Rule. I mean, it's it's Rule. Okay. I don't want... <laughs> and then he later confirms it was while, it was while, yeah, while uh, Matt Morgan was taking a pee-pee. <laughs> My baby! Stop! Wait! Come back! Left, you stupid bird! Left! <laughs> you guys, you guys love the brownies. <laughs> oh, for sure. The brown, we're all in on the brownies. The, the, I mean, it's just constant levity. I was just angry whenever they were behind because oftentimes, like everybody yeah. would run forward on the horses, and the brownies would be like, "Wait for us! Yeah. We'll be there in three days." And yeah. then they show up later, and I'm just mad. When yeah, not you're there. like, I was missing about 15 minutes of brownie content. <laughs> it was got cut from this movie because you guys abandoned them. Yeah, I was there for the brownies for sure. Do you you say that like you're not a number one brownie fan, John? I know I love the brownies. I, how can you not love the brownies? Oh, Louie, always playing with those fairy love potions. Oh, you are so beautiful. Your eyes, no whiskers. I have to kiss you. Ruin that dust of broken heart. I mean, it's also just one of these things with their whatever doing elementary. I don't know how that works. Like, math is it like a mat thing, and then they rear project and composite with well, two projectors? I don't. How do they do it? Uh, the, some of them I know. You know, we're talking about some of Peter Jackson stuff. Some of it is like I know that uh, uh, in the wagon chase scene, some of it is uh, a set. 
to scale. Right, where they're just like next to a bunch of bigger stuff, yeah, right. like larger yeah, yeah, chairs and stuff. Mm-hmm. So but, there's some forced perspective there where, you know, that yeah. they're acting on a set that's big. Um, and, you know, yeah. Willow, I think, technically was really Willow and then the next year, 89, with like Ghostbusters 2 and, and Last Crusade was and the Abyss was a real technological tipping point as matte mm-hmm. painting and blue screen sort of give way to the world of uh, CGI. Because the next summer with the abyss is when you see James Cameron roll out like that morphing water tentacle. That was, yeah. you know, that T-1000 was... T-1000. Uh, that, that came later, but the abyss the came before that, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so that silvery effect. Yeah, there's a lot of sort of transitory experimenting in Willow because there's also a lot of tactical effects, practical makeup. There is stop action. Yeah. There is matte. There is blue uh, screen, and there is uh, computer animated uh, morph. The morphing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. I think the only thing that looks a little funky is the eborsisk the two-headed dragon i but i think that's a pro i think that's bad design I oh think i see you just don't like the look of it yeah, I, <laughs> I was thinking the stop motion no i, I like i like, I stop, like motion. stop motion i just think it's a terrible uh-huh. designed uh and i also don't i didn't get it too because that's a scene i remember as a kid because like the troll becomes a meatball with tentacles yeah and they kick the meatball into the water and then this fucking two-headed wrong thing it was kind of upsetting as a kid because it wasn't yeah i mean it was really fun it's really weird it's a, that whole sequence well here's a question about the Eberstisk. i mean i agree we don't know its origin we don't know i i, I think it must have something to do with the willow turned the troll into an Eberstisk, like a youth i guess it just so. grew really quickly but um but question about the Eberstisk itself is like it is it immobile and if so, it's it's actually kind of, you know, it's just basically taking hits. Is there guys shooting? Like, it's got all these arrows stuck in it. Yeah. And right. what can so, it do? It's so, just kind of sitting there trying to defend its yeah, hand it, it or whatever. It's like, I just got born. It led a short, brutal life where it was born, <laughs> attacked, and then one of its, it was skewered with a sword. And yeah, it led, it led a And then its head line. exploded? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Eversisk, yeah. I mean... Why did his head explode? Justice for the Eversisk, its life is horrible, <laughs> and it just, it's just minding its own business. He it's like, I just born. grew in, you know, in at a geometric rate to reach this mat- mature state in 10 seconds, and now y'all be, you know, hitting me with arrows and putting swords in my head. That's just it not It was cool. breathing fire at people, though, um, so... Well, of course. I mean, you know, they were they were attacking it. I um, he almost hit the baby. This is one of my favorite lines, actually, in the in this scene. Skullface, uh, Kale, Pauline Kale, apparently named after Pauline Kale, says, "Destroy the beast, find the baby." And I like I love that line in it because that guy with the skull face is always gets me. He's just riding around in the background of scenes, killing people. It's it reminds me of a uh, Highlander. Too, because the Kurgan at one point I think has a skull yes, face yes, as well, yes, which is yes, a cool, he does. cool vibe. Laura's shake, shaking her head. She's like, "Oh, the who? The Kurgan?" Um, you know, I didn't. Mr. Krabs. We'll have to, uh, Mr. Krab. Maybe we should rewatch it again because yeah, I did not like hell that. Yes, movie. we should rewatch. It again. <laughs> I did not like that movie. But whenever you had me watch it in like 2014 <laughs> or whatever, but then 
another to raise our kid again, we had a playlist for him of like mostly 80s rock and the including the Queen Highlander soundtrack. And uh, yeah, man, I was by the end of that, we listened to that like every day yeah. for a good period of time. And I was, you know, being like, there can only be one by the end. Of I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I very much want to revisit uh, Highlander because it is a movie that is a plus in terms of concept. It doesn't always deliver on execution. Uh, the movie for me uh, grinds at a halt when Sean Connery is like, "My name's Martinez" or whatever, like his standard. <laughs> like, he's like, "Oh, I'm Spanish." <laughs> um, but I love the opening, and I love the aesthetic of a sword uh. fight in modern garb for you know and then a mm -hmm. beheading and I, I love the there's a wonderful primalness to that i have something to say it's better to burn out than to fade away It fucking rules. And Kale also rules. I mean, Kale's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Skullface, the you're other, one of your favorite yeah, things. Well, the other thing about Skullface that kind of rocks is that, um, so Bath Morda is pissed that they're taking so long to find the baby at some point. There's various times to cut back to Bath Morda and she's yelling at people. And she slaps Skullface across the face. Just whacks him. He's not wearing the skull. And he looks at her with, he gives her the dagger eyes. He's like, like you could, you know, and I, I, I was watching it again, and I thought, Dad, that kind of rules. Like I like that he's, she's basically just pissing off everyone around her because she thinks she's so powerful, and it does turn out to be her undoing. You know, the people end up betraying her. At least her daughter does. Um, but I like how she's, she's kind of a dick to Skullface, and she shouldn't be. He's her best warrior. He's her most loyal and best warrior. Yeah. You know, but I just don't. Well, have she's that not nice. Is what you call. A good manager. Not a good manager, no. I read the signs. One day I fear your daughter will betray you. I trust her loyalty more than I trust yours. She's Does also... not take advice from her from her second in command, who's like, your daughter's gonna betray you. And she She's says like, Yeah, mm, we'll see about that. Yeah. You know, she also could maybe use like a landscaper or something. That that castle is a real bummer. It's just like it's like it's there's desolate. It's land. desolate. It's all the like sooty, and then there's just like a bunch of skulls piled up outside. <laughs> 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 Not a single shrubbery. <laughs> I think what was going on there though is the because a lot of times they will cut down the forest around the castle so that you can't get snuck up on, and oh. also so that they can't chop down trees and things to use as battering rams. I see. So it's kind of like it's a scorched like... earth situation. Mm -hmm. You kind of, you, you actually do it yourself to, okay. to make it more safe. Wow, so can see somebody, people. somebody wants a castle. <laughs> John, as we as we as we established earlier, I played Dungeons and Dragons in uh -huh. in uh, middle school, and and so yeah, Castle Tactics was like yeah, you know all about crenellations. Yeah, we used to run <laughs> big like siege battles and things. Oh my and, god, you yeah. nerd! <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I did never. I usually think of castles as being somewhat pretty, except for like when you got like a Saruman situation. But there's a reason for that because right. you know he burned in all the trees to make more orcs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Thank you for that lesson on well, medieval defense. I, I regret telling you because <laughs> if you ever inherit a castle, 
now you'll know how to defeat my armies. So <laughs> Yeah. I'll probably just put trees and flowers in there anyway, and then I'll get beat. <laughs> We're talking about the battle that happens at Tier Asleen. Yeah. Okay, just so people in the, who are listening have, have any sense if, of if, if continuing if, if, despite if, their better sense. If they are, in fact, still listening. <laughs> Yes, exactly. If the anyone pig, is still the pig listening, battle? we're at pig battle. No, where Tiras Lean is the battle that um, of the castle where they go to find the king and queen to raise the child, but it turns out to be a totally abandoned it's frozen person with the castle. Frozen people. Exactly. Right. I can't remember any of the names of these places. Yeah, they say them like, like I should know what's up, and I don't. So, frozen person I, castle. I, yes, frozen person. I, castle. I, I will say that the fake names in Willow aren't. Lucas's best work. Yeah. Nelwyn, Daikini, uh, yeah. uh, none of the names. Mad Mardigan is the only one that. Mad is. Mardigan rocks. Yeah, but none of them are quite like Tatooine. Yeah. yeah Daikini, yeah, yeah. honestly, that's a rough one because it sounds like Daikini? Sound, yeah, it sounds yeah, like Okay, I take it back. Is. I take it back. <laughs> I, I love the insult peck. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good, it is, it is a good, a good, like, slur. made up slur. Yeah, in fact, you know, we should be cool on Twitter, Justin, and start to try and just use PAC, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, in our political tweets, you know, like. Yes, that's right. This tweet sucks, PAC. <laughs> yeah, having, like, a one syllable, just, like, it's got, like, the same yeah, sort of thrust as, like, cuck. You know, mm. yeah, it's true. Yeah, it mm-hmm. actually yeah, it has that same vibe. Yeah, and then p- p- people will start to reclaim it though, and then they'll be like, you know, Peck twenty twenty four, and so so mm. don't, don't make it's it always ironic. dangerous. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. it only lasts for a short period of time. Usually on Twitter, it's like what thirty two hours, and then it's done. <laughs> um, but you know, this moment in this in this castle battle, it's it's really important. A number of important things happen. One, Willa loses Elora to Skullface, and two. Mad Mardigan and uh, Shorsha fall in love. So that's actually, it's like, you know, it's not like nothing happens here. It's a, it's an actually important battle. And then they decide, okay, we're going to go back. We're going to go to her castle, which is, I don't even, I don't know what her name is. But anyway, Bav Morda's castle. And at this point, it's looking pretty bleak because she's got the castle all locked up. How are they going to get in? And then the Bavmorda turns them all, the entire army, into pigs. Yeah. And Can we? We've skipped over this whole part where we met, like a like a lemur marmot sorceress. Okay. Well, I was going to get to Raziel, okay. the lemur marmot <laughs> sorceress. But yes, you're right. She's been tagging along. But we, we've been she mentioning rules. we've been mentioning uh, you know her because she gets the big CGI transformation scene, and then That's she right. yes. she's the and one. Then she, she gets does. that lovely little scene where the actress uh, doesn't realize that or the character doesn't realize that while she's been transformed she has aged because right and i think it's a right i think it's a nice little moment because she she has repeatedly said i'm oh. this beautiful woman uh that i of this and i was transformed into this animal and so you do get this moment where the actor is like i'm i'm older now i'm not i you know and, and i thought i've always thought that was a right. nice uh little detailed moment where she's like that is I, you know, while I was transformed and imprisoned, I got older. I love the actress who plays her. She gets to have a wizard battle with Bev Morda. That she gets that it. Look, like I, you awesome. know, let's go back to Sorsha and the and the Bechdel and sort of stuff. Like, yeah, there are some really strong for 1988, for God's sake, very strong women characters. Starting off with, you know, because if you want to be honest about who starts the ball rolling. It's uh, Kilwer, whatever her name is, Willow's wife, who is the right. one that mm-hmm. actually plucks her from the water and carries her into the house uh, and is yeah. the one that starts 
saving Laura Dannon, right? But it's it's all women. It's the the midwife to Willow's wife, you know, like, uh, and then that the 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 woman battle is you know Saruman versus uh, Gandalf, yeah. But, yep. but, Gandalf, yeah, you know, and it's a cool. And also, I'd like to give a shout out to how much fun Jean Marsh is having in this uh, in oh, this yes. movie. She is chewing scenery. And she is a better final monster than anything else. The makeup, she's she's just she's fucking great as the final yeah. boss of that in that movie. I mean, she's a really her costume is cool. She's yeah. scary as hell. She's like she's like a mummy because she's wrapped up in the like mummy. Yes, what? Well, yes, right. You know, yeah, but yeah. she's like she's evil. She's having fun. She's gonna kill a baby. You know, like uh, 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 G. Marsh is like uh, the the low key sort of like like she brings that act home. She's like, you know, yes. I'm gonna yeah. Uh, uh, she's really good. I was watching it and I was like, why do I recognize her? And I was like, oh yeah, uh, she traumatized me along with many others in Return to Oz. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. You know, Return to Oz is also a notable like eighties. Not sword and sorcery, but fantasy, definitely. It's a traumatizing yeah. mm-hmm. fucking movie. It's a great. Yeah. That was I was not prepared for that. No. <laughs> no I, it's just, still, I was like, I love Wizard of Oz. Let me just take the next step. It's still pretty uh <laughs> you know, my my girlfriend has a lot of nieces and nephews, and so my whole life has been vastly improved by the energy of seven and eight year olds. Um <laughs> and uh I considered Return to Oz, but I decided it was too intense for them. I, you know, I, I took them to Strange World, and that was intense for them. Um, but now I also know I should just show them Tenet. Yeah. <laughs> it's a classic children's film. Yeah, it's great. It's a good vibe I, piece. I also love the set in... <laughs> I like defensive movie, Justin. <laughs> he, he crossed his legs again. It's like, yeah, fine. <laughs> Yeah, great. Yeah, it's like, great I've published on this movie. On this, on the movie. <laughs> if you'd like to see my written work, I'll turn it. Um, anyway, um, yeah, because there's like, so it's raining on the inside. Yeah, uh, I guess it's scene. like a Frankenstein or monster Frankenstein setup where mm. you got to like harness the lightning, right? Yeah. So that's why there's like a hole, but it's just pouring rain on everybody. And it's and and then there's like a lot of liquids just like around, right? Like, right. what's is it blood or is it just like a red goo that she's got in bowls and various? Yeah, places? I, I mean, it is. It's got to be blood, but it. But I think it's a potion. She's brewing some sort of potion, yeah. which we see ends up being used on her because uh, uh, she screws up and like spills right. it on herself. Right, but th- I feel like there's just like jars and vials and like goopy stuff yep. around, and it's raining on the inside. It that is a I love that uh, that the space of that finale. Yeah, it's re- it is really cool, and and being circular, you get all this really interesting action where they're often circling each other and stuff's happening and you can kind of you can cross the line in interesting ways it doesn't really matter because of the circular look right. of it um there's also like a spike wall she throws her daughter into a spike wall that yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. make any sense I mean, but, no, but oh, what, can I mean, you but explain like, me from a yeah no no tell me about the spike wall <laughs> I, tell me about the spike wall well, I, well you seem to know a lot about medieval well, defense i don't know so, what, from, what i don't know what purpose <laughs> an interior spike wall serves unless it's like for torturing people for like that. And also, also, I, I don't know if justin's expertise is medieval architecture i think specifically it's fantasy uh, magic one. <laughs> yes, okay. magic. It's it's okay. de- it's Dungeons and Dragons architecture. Okay. Uh, but no, it, it could be a torture device. Um, it could be 
you know, it could be for like hanging up strips of meat, mm-hmm. I guess, if you need to dry out some meat for Wait, a spell. Um, or like an old cork board, like an old school, like yeah. you can just put your reverse cork board. Well, I just picked I, I, I'm notes wondering right on if there. Lucas was as informed by Lord of the Rings as my thesis says, and if he wasn't more inspired by Dungeons and Dragons, which was a piece of 70s pop culture. Yeah, I mean, I I think right? there is an aspect. Yes, I think that you're right. I think there is some Dungeons and Dragons in it. As, as I was saying about the magic, the magic is much more like Dungeons and Dragons than it is like Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, you never have people using magic to turn other people into stuff or light people on fire. That's just, that's not part of the magic of Lord of the Rings, but it's definitely part of the magic of Dungeons and Dragons. And I kind of think... The other cool thing, the way they cast their spells is kind of cool. They have to concentrate and say the words, but with conviction. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like Harry Potter, Harry I guess, Potter. which does that. But, um, but you know, and and then it kind of drains you of of energy after. And that is, I think, a, a very like D and D thing, because there's like a game metric where you can only cast maybe so many spells or before you like run exhausted. out of whatever. Yeah. Um, but I, I anyway, I think you're right. I think there is that. It's definitely a part of it, and I think that's also what I like as a kid locked into i just thought i was like yes this is my world this is my dnd i'm so familiar with this and the, the trope of the adventure of so many dungeons and dragons adventures just begin with like you're at a bar and then something happens and now you're whisked off on this adventure and so this really has that vibe of just like something intrudes on your life and now you're a hero i want to mention one other thing before the very final thing which is like as the wizards are battling an errant magical spell shoots off of the wand and turns one of the urns alive yeah and then it chases willow around the room it's so cool and that that's a stop motion one that works for me so i like yeah yeah no absolutely and they Um, were also like uh willow needs uh something to fight in this scene but it has to be small i think it's a i think it's like a manageable task and and for him but but he gets the final to fight fight an enchanted urn motherfucker took on a two-headed dragon justin (laughs) <laughs> i mean he did take on the, it was the trolls that he was mostly fighting but uh i mean it would right? be funny he, to watch any one of us fight an enchanted urn <laughs> yeah i don't yeah, know if i i, I, I don't know urn, if i could do it i, I, I <laughs> he he actually defeats it by by tripping it and flipping it over and it can't right itself and then he pushes out the window it was very cool i i like it but then but then he confronting bev morta who is sort of momentarily stunned raziel she's sort of gotten the upper hand he throws the acorn and that's just pure acting on gene marsh's part she catches it worries that her she's actually turning into stone and then defeats it that's i mean it's really cool it has a cool little cg effect it's a a cool cgi effect and it's a really cool moment to show her power yeah and and her threat right you know that's again why gene marsh is great because she is of all the forces that we've met in this movie she is the most formidable opponent. Yeah, I think she just is like, is that all you got? Basically, I know, but there's a moment where it looks like it could. Yeah, she's a little and then, concerned. Yeah, which is she great. gets it back. Yep. Because then you're thinking, what? How is he going to defeat her? He, that's it. He doesn't right. have any more power. Anton's Anton's acorn. That's right, Anton's acorn, and also you forgot Anton's <laughs> disappearing trig pig technique. <laughs> so that that's the one, and he pulls it off, and I, I think that's. It's cool, too, because that doesn't really do anything. It just pisses her off. And she ends up tripping over her vial and then killing herself, basically. It it is a movie with 
great performances, some great special effects and costumes, and a really weak world. Uh, I think the world building of the Daikini and the Nell, I just, I, I, I didn't feel, as I rewatched it, you know, Star Wars is such an incredible work of world building. And there's just something in Willow that I just don't like the world. I just doesn't. Mm -hmm. And again, and that's one reason I think I haven't really watched the series on Disney. You know, like I love Willow for what it is, but I'm not really interested in more adventures in that world. It's no Middle Earth, frankly, you know. Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. but, but I would totally want to spend more time with those characters. I, I take your point yeah. about the world, but. Yeah, the characters I, I, I are think great. The actors, I think the actors are great. I really think that Ron Howard is an underrated director. You know, he 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 yeah. has such a wide variety of films, from comedies to action to historical stuff. I think he's a really underrated Hollywood director. And, you know, I think the action will is fantastic. Let's end with this then. So, Ron Howard, you... you you're high on Ron Howard, John. And... I, uh, I, I, I think he is underrated. Yeah, that's fine. I think he's I think he's quite good too. I um I think I like him more than you, Laura, for yeah. sure. But but uh so you've you've come out strong for solo and you've said on in print that it's the third best Star Wars film. Yes. I love Is it. Is it your favorite Ron Howard film, or do you have a one that touches uh, it? Uh let's let's do some Ron Howard. Like, you know, I love his comedies. I love Splash, I love Parenthood. I love, uh, you know, he does an uh, a early 90s firefighter action film called Backdraft. Backdraft that is, is awesome. That is hilariously fantastic. Um, he had another great movie in the 90s called The Paper. Um, but he's like, he's such a weird director. His best movie, I think, is Apollo 13. Uh, because it's the mix of all the things that he's good at, including technical special effects, sort of, uh, uh, yeah. you know, it is a it is an unapologetic uh, white his hat male salute movie. Um, I think <laughs> it looks great. I love the cheesiness of it. But, you know, he's a guy that can direct. I mean, he directed. OK, here's an example. He's such a hack director. But I have, over the past few years, revisited How the Grinch Stole Christmas with mm. Jim Carrey. Mm. And it is mm -hmm. such an insane fucking movie. And he's so, it and it's, it's so good in its own way. And Ron <laughs> Howard gets out of, his, out of his way. You know, I love Solo. Mm. And recently, you know, like he, you know, he did Hillbilly Elegy, which... I, I, you know, I, the, the, I, I don't blame him. It's the source material. Um, you know, he's just a really he's he's a hack director in the best in the best way. You know, Cocoon mm -hmm. uh, uh, is a wonderfully bizarre and melancholy sort of like you know e you know ET for old people. Like it's 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 a great movie if you've not seen it. Um, so I I love him not as an auteur or yeah. as as a as a director who chat. He's just a great working director. I think the thing we forget because he had he's he's received uh, he's won Oscars right he's won for, for he beautiful won mind. for beautiful mind yeah. so he he's I think he he became and Apollo thirteen also had a lot of nominations I think he was elevated 
maybe a little bit beyond where he should be. I think you're right. He's a I, look, beautiful mind is not. I journey. I didn't like a beautiful mind. You know, beautiful mind is yeah. one of those. Uh, is one of the is part of the loathsome sort of uh, Hollywood mental illness movies. Uh, you know, I, I I didn't I didn't particularly like it. I you know, and also keep yeah. in mind he did movies like uh, what is it? The, um, the Da Vinci Code. Uh, garbage, oh, garbage well. book, garbage movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but he is a, you know, and, I, and so Solo, remember the the Lego movie guys, Lord and what's his name, right. right? They were directing Solo and the word is that they were creating this sort of like buddy comedy and corporate freaked out and they brought in Ron Howard at the last minute. And my defense of Solo is that Ron Howard knew that Star Wars was many things, but one of them is a Western. Because that's part of Lucas's pastiche. I, it's insane. Western, Lord of the Rings, Kurosawa, all of this stuff. And so Solo is one of the most Western possible Star Wars stories. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah. If you go and you rewatch it, it ends in a in a in a shootout. It, it, it's, yep. Uh, so I love Solo because it is uh, it is just. Uh, Ron Howard saying, I'm going to serve you, George Lucas, and yeah. make, you know, he's not Rian Johnson, who's like, I'm going to really get into the guts of Star Wars. He's, you know, yeah. he's not J.J. Abrams, who's like, I'm going to make it about me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's not Tony Gilroy, who's like, I'm going to create Andor, a fantastic series, but I'm going to, you know, make something about humans. Like, he's just like, I'm going to make a... I love it. I love Solo. I think I think it's seriously underrated. I think you're right about Ron Howard. I think he's a very good director for hire. And if there if you need someone for a gig, you really can't go wrong with Ron Howard. Yeah. I want to just put out one movie that you didn't mention, John, but um I'm actually curious if you've seen it because it just came out this year, which is 13 Lives. You know, I, I didn't, and I had little interest in it. Until I saw that Howard was going to direct it, and then yeah. it just gets lost in the you know the, the the torrent. Like I have a list of yeah of of shit. If you recommend it's it, really good. It I is? will recommend it right here, right now. It's a very solid movie. It's a solid Ron Howard movie, and it features two fantastic performances. I mean, a lot of fantastic performances, but in particular, Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell are incredible. Oh, I didn't know Colin Farrell was in it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I He's actually really think, okay, but this is, now I'm going to say something which will get me canceled by the tw the woke Twitter crew, uh, but I think Colin Farrell is better in 13 Lives than in The Banshees. Banshees. I didn't, I didn't like, I didn't like Banshees of Inishman. Yeah. Well, so, he's also being Colin Farrell in Banshees. Yes. You know, he's like doing his like Colin Farrell persona. He's where so he's, interesting he's, in. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, I love Colin Farrell, and I love any Hollywood beautiful person that uh, readjusts and repivots their career to mm -hmm. uh, better fit. You know, like he, he, you know, like I, I am a big fan, and also I will bring up what my primary defense of Colin Farrell is that of all celebrity sex tapes, <laughs> his is the one where he's like having fun and caring about the other one. Like it's a great sex tape. 
Uh, you know, he's really fun. I You're taking notes one. for how to how to treat a woman, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a really like period uh, thing. Nobody has like a celebrity sex tape anymore. Yeah. It's sort of like they have like sects that get hacked. Yeah, like a dick pic will come out, yeah. but it's not like a whole video. Nobody well, Colin Farrell's like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> We're gonna be checking that out um, later. <laughs> But I will say, in all seriousness, I think you'll dig Thirteen yeah, Lives. Will, As a fan I, I, of Ron Howard, I think put it on, put it higher in your queue. Honestly, it's, I mean, it's I, worth I gonna, it. I it's, was going to watch uh, Tenant after this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, after it's a good double header with Tenant, honestly. Uh, and then I was going to watch Armageddon Time. That's what's next on my. Uh... Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have not seen Armageddon Time, but I've heard good things. That's on yeah. our list. But um, but I, I enjoyed uh, not... I enjoyed rewatching Willow, and yeah. I was surprised. I'm always surprised at how many parts hold up yes. and i think all yes. of the action parts hold up surprisingly well and i think it has a climax that holds up pretty well and i you know it just again i just again the world nah. that's fine yeah uh john on that note where the movie's pretty good, the world sucks, the characters rule, the special effects are great. I think we all agree on all of this. Laura's a little bit less into it. Um, I mean, it does have a stole a baby. So I stole the baby is one of the best lines. I, <laughs> I cannot be all, completely off board for anything that has Kevin Pollock screaming yes. that. <laughs> um, thank you so much for being here, John. And where can people read you or find you if they want to connect on social? Well, media? I mean, they can. They can. <laughs> I'm on Mastodon at uh, I don't know at John Hell DeVore. Yeah. At Mastodon dot online, I don't know what the I don't know how. Uh, at John Devore, <laughs> uh, my blog humongous came to a close this past uh, last month. Uh, R.I.P. I'm working on a memoir, and uh, hopefully I'll start writing again about movies fairly soon. But awesome. you know, just just find me on this podcast. I'll see you guys next week. Yeah, exactly. Yes. John's gonna be here every yeah. week, uh, uh, ranting uh, about uh, next one's gonna be Highlander. Awkwardly. As you have other hosts, I'm just going to be like, yeah, yeah, ready? yeah. We have some new guests, and John, hey, with John's back on. Um, hi, John. I, I'm just How here are you doing? Callbacks, you know, and some someone will be like, I didn't like this movie. I'm like, yeah, and Tenant sucks. <laughs> no, just um, you're gonna, you cannot bring this up again, or Justin's gonna like lose his mind. I'm look, Laura's looking at me, and I'm just like holding it together. I'm holding on a thread. I cannot wait to rewatch it because I'll tell you, quite frankly, <laughs> I watched it during the pandemic. Yeah. I did not listen to Christopher Nolan, so I watched it on my 13-inch. Oh, uh, John. Uh, when, <laughs> that when was When the a one mistake. scientist lady is like, the bullet flies into the gun because time is an entropic, I'm just like. I love that scientist scene. I, I love people explaining insane shit like it's the most boring shit. Like, she's so annoyed she has to talk to this guy. It's so funny. <laughs> she's working on that tea bag. <laughs> she's um, just like, <sighs> We're saving the world, asshole. Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the scene. That, that's the scene where he, where she's like, "It's the end of the world," and he's like, he says something like, "You mean I'm not seeing Armageddon?" He here. goes, he goes, "You mean nuclear war?" And she goes, "Worse, <laughs> worse." And I, and I, but she says it with, like bored. Yeah, so she says it like, <laughs> "You stupid piece of shit." Worse than nuclear war. And I'm yes. and, and and I'm sitting there watching it, being like, "What's worse than total obliteration?" By fire. <laughs> it's a total obliteration by by entropy, by time moving backwards. That's right. 
global inversion of entropy, John. That's what's worse. That's what's worse. What happened? Nuclear warfare is so, like, what is this, the 80s? (laughs) That's a good question. What happens? No one knows, but all time would move backwards into oblivion, I guess. I don't don't know. Is that any worse than being cooked alive in nuclear fire? I love it. I love how abstract it is. It's so good. Oh my god! I want my I want my death to be abstract. You sound like a drug addict. You're like, like, (laughs) like I want it to be like this. Your death is a Rubik's cube to solve. Can I say one more thing about Willow? Yeah, Uh, yeah. I know we've already like signed off and given our Mastodon accounts or whatever, but I just (laughs) the hair is great in this movie. Oh yeah, Laura's a big fan of the wigs. The big fan of the wigs, and you know my favorite part is that like Rizelle. You know, she emerges and she's old, but she's also kind of like wet. Mm. She's like naked and wet, like she's like a newborn baby, yeah. but she's like discovering that she's old. And then like they get her wrapped, they put a blanket over her. And I like too when like a blanket just becomes like an outfit. Like somehow she's like wrapped mm. it around, you know? And then she has like a amazing blowout. Like yeah. her hair <laughs> yeah. is looking phenomenal after the right. Like it went from wet to just like real voluminous, beautiful white curls. Mm. Magic. I love it. <laughs> yeah, could use a little magic on this main too these days. I been know, a, I'm a little just, shaggy. I'm just like what shampoo is she using? It's incredible. Uh, I mean, maybe if you've just like been like a like a marmot for many years, like it's just like you've really got all good the oils. Hair. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I need to figure out what kind of animal that was. <laughs> I can't think of a better topic and a better couple of people to spend a Friday night with. Uh, yes. Oh my god! So, don't uh, you don't need to tell people that. John. Thank you, thank you for being here, John. Don't edit it out. This is what we're all doing on a Friday night. <laughs> but thank you for reminding me. The time has come to a close. Uh, thank you for being here, John. We are at CowsPod on Twitter. You can find us on the web at cowspod.wordpress.com and buy a shirt with two cows on it at cowspod.threadless.com. Please write a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show. And in two weeks, we'll be talking to Matt Pace about that thing you do, a little throwback to the 90s. So we'll see you then. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.